Bad leaders are everyone's worst nightmare, giving you the ultimate playbook to lead, inspire, and grow your team. Better tech leadership powered by BrainHub. Yeah. So uh, still, I'd like to ask, why are, are you interested in the, this concepts of self-management, self-organizations, or basically these Turkus organizations? Why is it interesting for you? Why? So I think main background was that often, like sometimes things come multiple times in your life, but there was like a person or friend that go play squash. So you had this book like on self-organization from Lalu, where it's basically, he talked about it. He mentioned it like once. I was like, okay, that's probably super. Great that organization. Exactly. That's probably super boring. I was like, okay. Then later he mentioned it again. And then I was like, in our company, I felt like we probably could improve some things, but I wasn't really sure what and, and, and maybe how. So then decided to buy the book. And I read chapter number one and I was like, first a bit bored, to, not to death, but I was like, this something is boring, but I just kept reading. And then I started chapter two and I was like sucked in because I always was challenged being in like organizations with hierarchy and being doing these performance reviews. And then people come there, you have to rate them like in a school system. Do I have now the best grade, not the best grade? How do I compare it to others? And the manager is kind of the judge from the outside rather than the person themselves reflect like, hey, What's my purpose in this organization? How well did I do? Could I do any better? And not this judgmental thing. Someone from the outside has to grade them and then also make it obviously salary relevant. And then people being frustrated because you don't see the world as they see it. So I always felt it's a lot of frustration when you manage people. And when I read self-organization, I was like, this is exactly what I want to work in. Because if you have people around, everyone has their goal, their clear role, and they can take ownership, there's no one to blame. And you also work together in a collaborative mode and not someone who's kind of like this judgment person. And I never liked it as a manager. I always thought that like, you need to give people space. Intrinsic motivation is important and they have to take responsibility and they have to be able to make mistakes because through mistakes you learn. But I was, I always felt that why is there no better way But I couldn't have conceptualized myself um, Yeah concepts such as self-organization and when i read this with all these examples from these companies how they treat their people how they work and how they do it it got me really excited and then i basically explored them more and also found um, a course i did in switzerland on on, on going teal self-organization in companies and i also was actually researching i wrote the search for companies in switzerland who do self-organization was mainly holacracy I wrote these companies and I was surprised how many people are actually responding and say, I will talk to you. I had one hour talks with them. I had my questions, why they implemented holacracy, advantages, disadvantages, what do you have to pay attention? And that's how basically I came into the topic. And I still think it's, it's for me a very goal I want to achieve that sometime, at some point work in a company where you can do that. But I also know it's not just easy by saying, like, yeah, now we are self-organized. Organized. What does it mean? And how is it implemented? It's probably, it's, it's two things to, to, to get there. But it's, it's definitely probably, yeah, could mean a lot of fun for the people working there. 
And that's what you also get as a feedback when you talk to these companies. It's only so one of the same. Most of them have the same feedback. What, what, what was the feedback? Like main takeaways, both in terms of advantages and disadvantages. So I think the main takeaway was that I think they increased the, the, the ownership of the people, but also the motivation and the satisfaction. So most of the companies, all of them who kept, I mean, obviously some of them, they stopped the experiments because from some, whatever reason, the environment didn't work. And the ones I interviewed, obviously they succeeded, but they all said it's basically people want to work for us. They don't want to leave because they enjoy it so much. And we actually get people who apply because we are following self-organization. And it's also that you can see these companies, they're actually having blocks. So have you ever seen a company having a block on the matrix organization? Oh, great. We have matrix in place and it's all, no one blocks about that apart from maybe some consulting companies, but the company themselves writing about that concept on a blog, which is unrelated to their business shows how much it means for the employers who actually write these blog posts and talk about it. And I think that's like a very like element, which, which was one great advantage. The other one, a person that was a manager before said like, basically there's stuff happening. I could have never invented and dream of before because the management would have come up with that. Cause otherwise how would someone take the initiative exactly? And now people are taking initiative. And I would have never dreamed of what's all coming out of that, but I also had to learn to kind of step away and let people do whatever they do. But I think overall the outcome is better. And I think most of these companies say they are better off because of self-organization. I think one specific example, which probably a lot of larger corporations would say, yeah, but it has never worked, holacracy or self-organization. I mean, there's plenty of large organizations who, who implemented it and were super successful, but I also interviewed a company in Switzerland who was part of a large, um, basically holding in India, like a consulting company, um, which bought them. And one element that also think with a couple of hundred people in Switzerland, one rule, one agreement that when they bought, they can keep holacracy. So that was written in the agreement. So they kept it. And now what they can see is Switzerland unit with self-organization outperforms all the other units in that organization more and more. Actually, they are approached by the mother company and they ask, like, can you take over that business and implement the same you did? Because they do financially better, they do motivation-wise better. So like everywhere, they're actually on the top. And that to me also shows that then the other company actually works pretty much hierarchical, obviously up to that unit where they can do self-organization. And that shows that actually... There is a lot of value if it's implemented right. We spoke about it a little bit. Yeah, it was more, I think the, the same thing as if someone never does sport or doesn't is not in shape and they say like, oh, I want to be in shape and I want to eat healthy. Like, okay, what do you have to do? You might have to start exercising on a more regular basis and you might have to change your eating habits. And these are things you did for years, maybe for some of, the people since they grown up because their parents didn't know how to maybe didn't exercise. Maybe they, they, they cooked in a certain way that the meats were heavy and not as, as, as healthy, like fruits, vegetables. So to change that is not easy. You won't get up just the next morning like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm all fine doing my sport. I'm all fi fine eating, eating the right way. 
it takes a lot of work and you have fallbacks, but you still have to believe in that goal. And for a lot of people, maybe where you start at the point where you have no clue how to accomplish that, because I haven't seen it how it's done. I have not a brother or a sister who accomplished that, so I can go and ask them. You might also want to like hire a coach because like often the beginning it's hard and if someone reminds you reminds you on a constant basis say have you done your exercises can you do this shows a bit tips and tricks to how you move yourself to that state that it becomes natural it's it's hard work and i think for a lot of companies if you start and do it yourself you might still a bit locked in the old patterns and then it can be pretty quickly they say it's not working people are not they don't take responsibility and they're not stepping up, or maybe this because the person who maybe let go of the, the authority or give, distribute a bit more of the, the, the power of making decisions, he's not willing to do that. And I think an outside person can better call this out than the people before who maybe reported to that person. So it's kind of a bit that transformation, I think, is quite critical. And the, the companies I talked to, most of them actually said that a coach was very beneficial and most of them recommended the coach for the first couple of months to just help putting things in motion but it's the same once you're then crawling once you're walking and then from walking to running that step you can then do yourself but it's this initial probably phase which is crucial because obviously people will say it won't work you will hear that constantly that then please will say or people who were managing before obviously they scared to lose their job so you will have people say it's not working because i still want to have my 20 re people reporting to me i don't want to get rid of that they will fight that and so it's kind of like i think a crucial element to bring these people along and also if you have an outside perspective i think that the chances of success are larger in my opinion the companies that you spoke with do they fall in uh do they have something in common Besides introducing that model of uh, operational governance, uh, like uh, are they, I don't know, uh, service providers, are these? I mean, technically, if you read Lado and you, 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 you go and search, it should be not making a difference in the industry because there's also examples in, in the book where it's in industrial, blue collar and, and wherever. I think what I found is a lot of people, or in Switzerland, most companies are close to like some sort of digital agency, something related to software. And also usually, because Scrum was implemented, I mean, to some extent, Scrum is a self-organization concept because, yeah, you have certain things you have to do, um, uh, certain elements in Scrum, but it's actually self-organizing because you have a team they have certain roles, they have responsibilities, and they have a maybe common goal, but each person brings their spe specific role into it. So a lot of, I could see it also being very natural for a company which is active in the software space to make that step because they already know to some extent elements of self-organization and agility to, through Scrum or, or Kanban or whatever concept they're using. So also the, the company's the most I found we're actually in, in the space, which is more closely related to software. If you look globally, there's much more companies that operate in an innovative way, to, not top-down, not chain of command, specifically in software or specifically in the fields that require a lot of innovation. I think it's just uh, 
I think one one misconception in the entire like management space or treating treating human beings, I think, is that people believe if you don't have if you're not well educated, you can't make your own decisions. Like kind of like I think it's more natural for people to be like, yeah, they've all these smart people, they've studied at top universities. I mean, they should be capable of doing that. They're more like prone to be like, yeah, they can self-organize or they should be able. Then if you maybe walk into a factory, you think like, yeah, but they have like, an, maybe they did an apprenticeship. Some people just had not even an apprenticeship to learn on the job. And I think that also, for me, it's, I, I totally believe it's a misconcept because everyone has to live life. And to live life, you need to be to some extent self-organized. You have to do certain things to like run your family and all this. And I think everyone, every human being is capable of that. But I think when you make a decision, people still feel that for whatever reason, people with a higher education should be more capable of doing that. And that's why also to your point, probably companies in the field where it's either innovative work, where it's maybe software, where it's more agility, to some extent, maybe have more people with higher education and then feel like, oh, but we, yeah, they should be able to do that. Let, let's try versus when you go into an industrial setup that they might feel like maybe the hurdles are too high. I mean, interesting. I think, I think it's not about education. I honestly believe it's about competencies in a specific field plus mindset plus appropriate leadership and some other things that come into play. It's, a, it's about competencies in a specific field that is related to the company business and the mindset. True, but what I meant was more like if you walk in and if you ask like maybe a thousand people and you ask, okay, there are a bunch of lawyers and there you have the factory. Now we have the concept where you can decide there's a chain of command, like people are told what to do versus people can self-organize. And you will ask them like, okay, where is the higher probability? Where would you trust that the concept would work? What would most people choose? Probably. Or an engineer or whatever is a factory worker doesn't. I mean, they they just do the thing on the thing. But the fact is what they do, and that also shows a bit like what we what 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 that they know their job, what they do. And it's not that you tell them to be a lawyer, but you basically tell them you can you have more responsibility around the job you do and they know their job and that's kind of a bit, but I think that's also a bit of a mindset where people believe someone is capable of and I think every human being is capable of. Obviously, some people do better in that environment and some less and it's also a bit like, yeah, some bit also about personality and that you feel it's safe enough to fail because in a self-organization, you need to give the people the feel that they can also fail. If you obviously punish every mistake, like, you won't get anyone who takes responsibility because every time they do, they feel I only get punished. So it needs to be some environment like at home when you raise kids. They need to be able to fail. They need to be able to learn and then they can excel. Building the trust to the managers or other people uh, that it's safe to fail, it's not that easy because we, we uh, I, like, I, I meet that problem every now and then because people say like, Look, you say it's safe to fail, uh, but in my previous jobs, it was always said it's safe to fail, but it was until it wasn't. And I think it's it's about the trust. It's true, but you have to build the trust. I mean, like what some, I mean, what you could implement is also kind of the shit happens Friday. Like on Friday, you meet, 
and people talk about all their failure and they get applauded for making yeah. a mistake and they have a drink and they can be there and maybe the CEO the first and say, yeah, on Monday I, I sent a wrong email to the wrong customer and they, whatever, like whatever you did to be like, some people call it, okay, yeah, let's say shit happens Friday sounds a bit better. There are other words for it, but, um, but they celebrate that and it doesn't have to be a negative thing because the outcome is also like that then it's not just say like the mistake I made, but what have I learned from that? And what was my solution? And kind of like people can be like, yeah, I had a mistake. There was this huge setback. It was freaking embarrassing. Um, I sent a letter to the wrong customer. I was so embarrassed. And But I realized our quality, we, we have certain checks are missing. So as a lesson, we basically changed X, Y, and Z. And instead of people getting like, oh, why did it happen? Whose mistake was it? People celebrate that that we we learned something and we can move on. And I think that that can change that that setting because obviously if people have to see that you can do failure until they trust. Oh, this company is actually. I got celebrated on Friday once a month. If I go up to the podium and I tell stuff which happened and how we learned, and people are doing that, and everyone is thinks actually it's a great event, and rather being like ah, these, these people make mistakes. And so it's kind of like a transition which needs to happen. Yeah. On, on mistakes happen because they are happening. And you're right, like often in a lot of companies you feel like, also we were pro and race maybe, something happens at home. I got the first question I ask, and I'm not saying I'm doing well, it's like, oh, who did that? Like, then usually you ask first the little one. No, I didn't do it. And the older one, and the, you then immediately think, oh, if it wasn't the little one, it was the old one. And then you realize maybe your wife says, yeah, something spilled. I was just about to, to, to whatever. But it's this, in, this reaction and it's uh, so much ingrained the way we were raised and then obviously what we carry into the companies and also what the people who found companies and manage companies bring in. If you weren't allowed to do mistakes in your home and in your school or whatever, like likely the company is not that place. So there needs to be a change. But if we were that we want to create that, there's the ability to change. But first you need to be aware that you can then put the focus and the energy on it to kind of like address it. And as long as you're not aware, obviously. And it probably should start from the leadership uh, and uh, go down that leadership. I think that's most of the time. Like obviously if, yeah, you're right. Like if someone was maybe still deemed not as being maybe in the leadership or talks about mistakes and then management puts them down, it will never work. But if management steps up and writes an email like, yeah, we had this incident, it was caused by me or we, we figured that out and I think this is awesome, well done, guys. It's kind of like, and it takes, you need to build up the trust, but I think it's doable. It's just more about how much you're committed going the way and obviously in self-organization, leadership wants to make transition but often that is also like personal change on their side because they maybe realized the way I was running the company before. It just stressed me out. There were certain things actually. And they also often do a certain transformation as long as also the people going along because you need to talk to each other differently. You need different skills to work in an environment, I think. And at the end, it will benefit everyone, even 
the customers from the company, the families from the people who work there, because you have to have a different mindset and a different way of being and working with your child. I think we're talking about sort of different concepts. We, we, we are also exploring a little bit of self-management, a little bit of self-organizing, uh, but I want to get your uh, thoughts on what what is the scope of the decisions that people make within an organization, within teams? I think... I think it depends. It depends on the on where the the organization is in. For example, our company I work for, we acquired like three banks in the last couple of years in Germany, and you regulated under BaFin. BaFin has certain expectations: who can be in charge, who be in charge for for certain elements. And obviously, it wouldn't be possible to go out and sometimes say like certain elements where someone has, has to have a certain background to make a decision can then be taken by anyone. So obviously they need to maybe be tied to certain roles or you also need to implement certain checks and balances to be there for the regulator. And you can do that by maybe mapping the roles. So the regulator expects to see certain roles and you then have people who have this external role name that the regulator feels comfortable. Oh, there's someone who's responsible for that. That person might have more, yeah, competent and might have multiple roles. And also on, this, on certain settings, obviously there's limitations. You can limit roles. You can say like that role, that team can decide up until a certain amount. Everything above, obviously there's also in self-organization, there's still a CEO, there's still someone out there who gives a bit the direction, who's there might be things where you say above that a second person needs to weigh in and needs to give approval or needs to be consulted. That that's very normal because some people have maybe also financially certain limitations. It doesn't mean self-organization has to mean ah oh, we give everything away and the people with the role can decide everything. You can have like you can limit that. And I think that also has to be figured out for each company how it works best. I think it's almost like a, um, I mean, if you speak holacracy, what they say, it's more like a, a operating system for certain hardware. As the company's the hardware, there's the operating system coming, but the operating system can also be configured. So it's not that you go in and say like, oh, we have to follow everything. If some things don't work, adjust them, find different ways to like go through it. The more important thing is the mindset and the principles to be like, this is what we want to accomplish, but then find your own way. Because the same with Scrum, if you go around and you interview people about Scrum, you get so many different answers. What is Scrum for you? And then you're like, <laughs> company A says the following, and then company B. And then you go back to the, 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 the original principles from Scrum. You would think, but if you read them, but no, it's like people took these concepts and then take some pieces, adjust some pieces, maybe. They ignore some and still call it Scrum, despite probably the, the the original people who started with Scrum would say this is not Scrum. They would still call it Scrum just because it's the buzzword. But I think that's similar to like self-organization. It's you have to find your way. You don't have to be orthodox about it. I don't think so, because otherwise it will be hard because some things might be adjusted to be successful. And if you're too strict, it, it just might fail. Like distributing the decision power and ownership about or control about specific areas, I think it's critical. Uh, we're still struggling with some aspects of that. But I think also is important. What he also mentions, like on the OKRs, is still 
obviously, I think when you say you have a certain people with competency, I think you phrase it the following. So we have certain people with competence and they, they should do strategy. My thing is just a bit around, like, but what if you open it up? You say these are the roles and we have people. Who do you think that people applying who are actually not good at strategy or don't like it? I mean, that's in a separate discussion. But I feel like by what I would be careful is by obviously excluding and deciding who can do it that you might have very talented people you don't see, but if you don't make it open, you will never see their interest. Obviously, it's a different discussion when they have interest, they get a certain role, and then you realize when we produce output, they just don't produce, and then you have to have the discussion. But I think always like when you make a decision to some extent from top down, the group's fine, but who's in the group, that's okay. I just say, like, usually you might lose out potentially on people who have a huge talent, but they feel like I can't be part of this group because the group was already made by these people. And then you basically silence the voice. By me saying that doesn't mean everyone has to be everywhere because otherwise then the company is not running. I mean, that's just not working. Some people need to do finance, there's strategy, there's obviously the implementation work, there's the customer acquisition work, but I just feel often by sometimes making decisions by who can be part of the group but not make it open that actually people know there is this group, there is certain open roles that they can step up and also say they potentially have interest. That doesn't mean that they can then just be in that group or take that role that you might lose people who, who, who have talent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think this is, this is a trade-off. Because on one hand, you want to get, uh, like, use this knowledge that you have inside a team, this mindset, etc. But you also want to be effective in making decisions, making them fast, making them accurate, making mistakes, but like learning from them. For me, the tricky part uh, is twofold. First, not everyone is trained or skilled in in thinking in abstract ways. Yeah. Well, what I meant more was like that generally I do believe that people are drawn often to also what maybe their motivation is, the intrinsic motivation, especially if you start creating an environment where it's not about the ranks and who has power. And then everyone believes, like, I need to go up, I need to rise, I need to more, and they start doing stuff they actually hate, but they're still doing it because, because of the fame they have, which is then completely wrong because everyone below them, if they have reporting lines, will be in pain. But I feel like if you have an environment where people can really bring in their talent and take also things, they really have true interest. And then, no, it's not just a company where, yeah, I have a true interest, I take something, and then I sit around and do nothing. But whereas also results are expected, which is okay because we have goals. I do believe that if people pick stuff or do things, they're truly motivated that the outcome is like, is so much higher than if you hire someone who's maybe just they hired in a role and you're like, I don't actually like it, but now how do I get out of it? How do I tell the company I'm not made for this role? Because would then the consequence be I get fired? So people start being quiet. And if you can create and say like, we have like, we we have certain roles, like we have certain things and people who are interested, they can basically come in and be part of that 
is very motivating for them. And the same thing, I think, in, in new companies also, like, in, like, technically you can have people who constantly work with the consultant. They might, they might be some meetings or some monthly meeting going around around sales. And it's not that they constantly sales, but they might be so interested in how can we sell more that they have some sort of advisory role to their sales guys or to the account manager to be like, hey, let might already do that. I've seen this customer really struggling and I think we should propose X, Y, and Z. Or I've seen there's really a need with all the customers I see in that specific space, they struggle with X, Y, and Z. Have we ever thought about creating maybe a, a, a proposal that we help them doing X, Y, and Z? And so not every developer would do that, but some of them might feel like, oh, I could be part of that sales team. And if it just means we have a monthly base, we have a meeting to figure out ideas, develop them a bit further on the side while I'm still, my main job is doing code, delivering a front end for an end customer can be very motivating because they're not just, I'm not just a developer. I'm helping on creating sales stuff. I'm, I have other places I can help, but the core thing I do is still time and material. I'm working on a customer side, but I, I really think that generally people are drawn to want to do elements they, they truly have interest. Doesn't mean always they have talent. I mean, then you have to have the discussion there, but at least you don't stop them to show the interest and maybe try something out. Because I think as long as it's safe enough to try, you can always support that. But that then needs, again, conversation with people. And that's when, I mean, you also asked me at the beginning, like questions or things which interest me. It's also this book is called Nonviolent Communication. It's like some people say it shouldn't call nonviolent communication, but more like the, um, kind of like proper human communication, but the idea is that you can have hardcore discussions about certain elements without being like jumping over someone's feelings. Because often the I think a lot of people are making decisions in a way that they feel like, yeah, but then I don't have to have the hard discussion. And you exactly you you can something you can try something and then also go in and say like okay we need to have a talk about this and it can be very like eye leveled and be fine so yeah uh to comment on what you said i think i absolutely agree i think i said like the reason why it's sometimes hard is twofold so first i mentioned that yeah it's 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 about the competencies or, or being able to work in particular context second is second thing is exactly what you said, which is interest. I also call it sometimes obsession, obsessing about things. So for instance, I think in terms of our group that focuses on strategic things, these are group, this is a group that actually like is skilled in making that kind of decision or thinking in those terms, but also these are the people that are obsessed about it. Why? Yeah. But I think that's also fine. If you tell people like, hey, you can join this group, you have these things we need to accomplish and we currently need whatever we need and there's a certain commitment that people can also be like hey i want to come i want to commit to that but there should maybe also be not say trial period but it's the same thing when you have like you you hire someone what do you do probation period is like people start and then you might have ability where also some people can be like you can join one or two meetings of that team and see like how what are they doing is that is that the right thing for me that then they know when they commit it's not just about 
I call two meetings and then I walk out because it's not interesting. But I totally agree because at the end of the day, if people are just jumping around, then not helpful either because you need to accomplish things. Sure. Uh, in that environment, uh, that is full of uh, self-organized, self-managed, like what's the way to handle other performance? I mean, the thing, yeah, this is hard, but this is the one which I, I'm actually the most, the most, the most obsessed why I really think ways of self-organizing could be really beneficial is because what happens these days if someone doesn't perform usually takes years. If it's not too obvious, it takes years to people to figure out. And what happens is like you have a manager who's busy by on, on, on their own doing stuff. And then the perform the person just never performs, and somehow people always think like, yeah, but their manager should should see it. Why don't they see it? Why is not managing addressing it? Why? And we always have that person on project. Usually it takes a while, so then maybe if they collect feedback, those people feel comfortable to speak up because sometimes they feel even bad to be like, yeah, but that's my colleague. I still don't like the performance, but ah, then they get fired, and like, oh, there's all this like thing going around. But then you somehow avoid the element that that person is either in the wrong job or completely at the wrong company. And it should be addressed swiftly because if you don't address it fast, everyone around pays the price. And I think in, in hierarchical organization, you have it so often that people just go by potentially for years completely underperforming and also being completely demotivated because no human being likes to not to contribute. So quite often if they don't contribute, there's either personal issues going on, they're in the wrong job, but are fearful to say something. And at some point, if you go sit on for too long, they just are fine with what they do and nothing changes. And I really believe that the hardest part in more self-organization is you have to address these elements with peers. But what's usually happening with peers, if I address it and I go to my colleague, what is the first thing I say? You're always lazy. You don't do this. And, and I haven't seen you doing that. And then last week I had to pick it up. What's the general average or above fair majority response of that person? They feel threatened, attacked, and they start either not listening anymore and turn away and ignore or they start lashing out. And then what you have is a conflict situation. And to actually be able to have that discussion to be like, what you observe, what's your need, what's your request, get that person to understand, hey, you're not, you're not picking up your slack. It's not an easy discussion. And obviously, if it's a team, multiple people saying it's also not easy, and then you have to be careful in that situation also that not mobbing is starting because if every eight people pointing to one, you're pretty quickly probably in a situation where the people feel mobbed. But if you find the right way to communicate that, I personally believe you can spot underperformance. Not spot it, people would see it as quickly, but you would address it much quicker. Then before it was like, oh, you have to talk to HR, you have to talk to the boss. The boss feels hates having this conversation. Maybe it's his best buddy. 
So that, that nothing gets done because I don't, I don't threaten the situation with friendship with my best buddy. So that's kind of a bit what, what I feel could free up a bit that ownership also that, um, issue where you have like, um, with a lot of employees, sometimes have a complain mode. This is not working. That is not working. This person is underperforming. Nothing gets done. And I can't do anything because I'm not in management. And if you take that away and say we're the team, like if the problem is big enough, then own it. If you're frustrated about something, you can suggest we need to have, we need to do X, Y, Z. Is someone willing to help me? Or if the problem is not big enough, it won't be done, but no one can complain because you have the ability to either take ownership or go directly to the persons, personal persons who are responsible and request that it would that they do something because maybe it's also somewhere described. There's a role, there's a purpose, someone has the responsibility. So you can go, but these are not easy discussions because you ask for something and the other people might feel threatened that they're being called out. But that's human life. I mean, that's that's the life in the family, that's the life with friends. No one gets told they don't do their job. No one likes this, but it's so the takeaway here is start with the right recruitment and then build a culture of feedback, learn people, how, teach people how to uh, provide feedback, how to own the feedback and things like that. A lot of people you see exactly like they send people in these courses, usually after one, I think often after a year, bit after a year or so, they start realizing we need people to, to, to send through this type of practice, yeah giving feedback or non-wide, whatever it is, but you need to be able to speak with each other. That's the hardest part, but I think you will learn for life because the same concept you can use at home with friends, with family, because it's the same thing. You work, you're together with a group of people and you need to have a conversation which is on, on, on eye to eye and not from top down. Thank you very much. It was great talking to you. Thank you for those insights. Better Tech Leadership powered by Brain Hub. Follow Les Schick on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Better Tech Leadership newsletter.